Welcome back. It's a Tuesday, the 16th day of May, 2023. I'm your host, Mark Hall, and there is so much news out there today. Hey, guess what, folks? A lot of it you've heard, but it was called conspiracy theory then. Remember, it's more than six months later, so we know it's true. It's just that you have to wonder. If what's coming out now had been actually admitted by the lying, waste-stream, fake news media, say, oh, two and a half years ago, before the election was rigged, covered up, and everybody who knew better was called a conspiracy theorist and banned from Twitter and to Facebook, or just tossed into the gulag, would the country still be in its death throes today? And I just had a funny, not ha-ha, but disgusting, ironic thought. Have you seen the video? Now, not much of it. But remember how those folks on January 6th were literally invited into the open doors of the U.S. Capitol building only to later be arrested and thrown into the gulag? Imagine if that was the plan that was being executed at the southern border today. Invite them in and then do something really nasty to them that arguably they deserve a lot more than the people who were simply protesting the rigging of an election and the overthrowing of a nation. Now, obviously, there's not enough prison space in the entire country yet, although I'm sure they're working on the concentration camps, to put everybody who's invaded across the southern border, even recently, somewhere, probably not even enough space for those who are literally enemy troops, special forces, and foreign terrorists. Which is a pretty good introduction to why I'm starting with this particular story today. It comes from the Daily Mail out of the UK. More and more, they seem to be chronicling the decline and fall of the once-free United States. The headline says, Come on in! And it shows the moment a U.S. Army soldier opens a gate on private property to let a huge horde of migrants on that private property trespass their way onto a bus, after which they were transported to, well, the Biden regime probably knows where, but you aren't going to be allowed to. The video, it says, was taken along the U.S.-Mexican border in (laughs) what was once the U.S.-Mexican border in Eagle Pass, Texas. Security footage, it says, taken there, showed a U.S. soldier opening a gate to let migrants in just days after the Biden Fuhrer let Title 42 expire, and I guess you'd have to say opened more floodgates. And essentially announced, even though their lips are saying one thing and their actions are saying the exact opposite, come on in, invade away. The video shared by Fox LA's Bill Malugin showed a large group crossing the Mexico side of the border into the U.S. as a large white bus appeared to be waiting for them. Meanwhile, a female U.S. Army officer stood by as the horde shuffled on and through private property Monday morning. And the officer was said to have done so at the direction of, guess what? The Chinese communist-occupied so-called federal government. Now, here, your host has to ask a question that the Daily Mail coverage doesn't seem to think is particularly important. Private property? They did at least capitalize it in the headline. But what a concept. You mean, here is some rancher on the southern border. His property is literally being trespassed by hordes of people. I doubt he knows a single one of them without his permission. Or is it a treasonous government that's overruled his private property rights? Was he asked or was he simply told, like the Nazis and other terrorists and tyrants have done throughout history, either at sword point or later gunpoint, you will allow what we will have or we will simply take that private property from you, you pee on you. Folks, that is the real issue here. And whether it was quote-unquote voluntary or voluntary at the point of a gun is... um. I guess you'd have to say moot, since it's not even being talked about anymore, and Big Brother doesn't seem to care one way or another. You can almost hear the follow-on, can't you? Just be glad we didn't tear your gate and your whole stinking fence down. And I've got a clip demonstrating this next part. Asked by reporters just how he believes things are doing on the southern border, 
The Biden Fuhrer responded with an evil chuckle. Yeah, it sounds like he said things are going even better than we'd planned. But you might as well hear it for yourself. Do you think things are going at the border, sir? Much better than much, much better than you all expected. <laughs> By the way, I don't think the anti-Sinelli drugs are this good to me, but I could be wrong. This looked like at least one of the other Biden Fuhrer doubles. From there, let's go on to a story that had it actually been covered honestly, actually over half a decade ago now. We might not be talking about these other things today. I'm referring to the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax. And yeah, while we've known that that was the proper way to put it for years, now even CNN is reluctantly having to admit, eh, we lied through our damnable teeth. Although, no, they didn't actually come right out and say it that way. And that may be a good way to start the Ministry of Truth lie and cover-up revelation. Referring to CNN's pompous and prevaricating talking head, Jake Tapper, their headline says he was forced to eat humble pie and admit that John Durham's report into the flawed and biased, and that's kind of an understatement, I would say criminally evil. But anyway, the FBI does, to a degree, (laughs) yeah, like to a 120% degree, exonerate Trump. But hey, they note, that's hardly even remotely what he's always said. So let's pick this story up from, well, certainly not the beginning, but at least somewhere near the middle. I have no doubt that it's nowhere close to the end. Well, the capsule summary goes something like this. On Monday, Special Counsel John Durham finally released his final report, concluding what most of us have known for some time. The crooked, evil FBI had no, that's capital N, capital O, as in zero, zip, nada, no verified intel when it opened Operation Crossfire Hurricane and the so-called investigation. We now know it was nothing but a cover-up and a witch hunt, as some are properly putting it, into Trump back in 2016, according to just. The news. This was Durham's final report. The real key, though, is that there will be no arrest. I think you heard that right. They got away with it because the American people have been lied to for year after year after year, while the intel community, as we've seen demonstrated time and again, worked feverishly to overthrow a legitimate government and install the fake traitors that are still working to destroy what's left of it today and accomplish their coup against an actually elected sitting president. And here's the kicker, folks. They all knew it was a lie from the get-go. And hey, you might be wondering, what's the WAPO or New York Times saying about it? You ready? Yeah, you got that right. Nothing that I could find. Uh, It may be out there somewhere, page J47, with a misleading headline to boot. But uh, no, it's just not important to let people know about this. What is, though? And this is a quote from the WAPO's top headline. Liberals grow fearful Biden may reward GOP for weaponizing debt ceiling. Oh, and if that's not exciting enough, how about this one? The winner of the ultimate sailing race rescued a competitor. Yep, Americans certainly need to know about that. As their country swirls the toilet bowl, maybe this woman will swim to their rescue. Well, at least the leftist Daily Mail is not quite as far left, and they got a number of headlines that outline the story. Back to the CNN humble pie. In an embarrassing turnaround, they say, the CNN host claimed the newly published report went at least part of the ways to exonerate Trump after years of frequently championing the Russia, Russia, Russia collusion narrative. Durham criticized the agency they admitted in that report for acting on, quote, raw, unanalyzed, and uncorroborated intelligence, unquote. Another story said that the FBI did not have enough, quote, factual evidence to actually investigate allegations of Russia, Russia, Russia collusion with Trump. 
This, they said, because of the, quote, damning conclusions in Durham's final report published Monday night, including the dismantling of the Steele dossier and salacious claims made against Donald Trump. And this would be funny if it wasn't so traitorous. Prominent Democrats, they noted, claimed that the investigation was, quote, a snooze fest. <laughs> and at least I got to admit this, that pretty well describes the entire rule of law and fourth estate for the last six years plus. And just how damning are these revelations? Why, so undeniable that even Lindsey Graham finally got into the act, and he slammed the politically motivated WAPO and New York Times, who were given Pulitzer Prizes for, and as he put it correctly this time, quote, writing a bunch of politically motivated crap. Well, that's too kind, but at least it's in the right direction. This story goes on to note that members of the GOP are slamming leftist outlets for publishing those crap stories despite shaky sources, and they're now calling for the New York Times and WAPO to have their Pulitzer Prizes that they won for the Kremlin Russia, 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 Trump collusion stories to be taken away. What they should be arguing for is people to be tried for treason. And I'm not talking about the idiot journalists that published this crap. I'm talking about those that decided that it was worth pushing a public-private partnership to try to overturn an election and then consolidate their gains. As the Daily Mail also noted, the over 300-page report revealed that the Department of Just Us and the Federal Bureau of Instigation, quote, failed to uphold their mission of strict fidelity to the law, unquote. And how's that for a arguably understatement, when they launched the Russia, Russia, Russia probe of the newly elected administration, which, of course, was never actually allowed to do what it was elected to do to begin with. And uh, that certainly seems to be the point now, doesn't it? Lindsey Graham, though, did wimp out. He said the following, I would like the FBI director, Ray, to get on the phone and apologize to the people that had their lives ruined by the FBI, unquote. No, folks, heads should roll. Judiciary Chairman Dick Durbin made this idiotic comment. Unlike Inspector General Horowitz's report, the Durham report offers no meaningful recommendations on how the FBI can improve the application of its considerable, and some would say unconstitutional and downright criminal, surveillance authorities in its investigations. Unquote. Well, for a little bit of intelligence on that score, let's go to Matt Gates first. We need to defang and defund them, he said suggesting that FBI should be indicted. And he's right. After the Durham report that found no Trump collusion with Russia, Russia, Russia. Meanwhile, the Bureau of Instigation has issued what the Daily Mail called a groveling statement. It didn't apologize for their having been weaponized against an elected president, though. Said Gates, these agents should be fired and prosecuted, and the agency itself, and he's right, should be defunded and defanged. He described the agent's actions as ugly after Durham ruled that there was insufficient evidence to actually probe Trump to begin with. And we'll get to some of the specifics there in just a minute. The trouble is, the Florida lawmaker noted that Durham's recommendation of only one person, a lawyer who lied to the FBI, be charged with wrongdoing was uh, insufficient, to put it mildly. Said Gates, this report is an insufficient consequence for the malfeasance and corruption that we've seen here. It was an operation from beginning to end to fuse political opposition research from the DNC and the Clinton campaign with this intelligence process and criminal process. It's a sad day for America. Well, actually, folks, it's been a sad six years for America. What happens now is what will really determine whether or not there is an America from here on out. 
Gates did get this right, though. He said if this had been a Republican operation, like, say, uh, way back when, where Tricky Dick was a piker compared to these guys, an operation that would help a Republican candidate, in other words, it wouldn't have ended with a report. It would have ended with real significant indictments, unquote. For his part, President Trump on Truth Social summarized it succinctly, saying, capital T-R-E-A-S-O-N, exclamation point, times three. Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan, who chairs the House Judiciary Committee, said the report showed the FBI is dangerously partisan. That probably is another understatement. And he's invited Durham to testify before the committee next week. That may have been a tactical error, folks, because it'll give MSNBC, CNN, and the other criminally negligent networks plenty of time to schedule something really important, like a tranny weightlifting competition, to uh, cover instead. Arguably, the best response I saw came from Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri, appearing with Jesse Waters on his primetime Fox News show. And he said correctly that what needs to happen next ought to go far beyond just reports. There needs to be a lot more than reports, Jesse. People need to be prosecuted for this. The Clinton campaign and Hillary Clinton herself, is it any coincidence that she is tweeting about collusion at exactly the same time her campaign operatives are feeding this BS to the FBI? I don't think so. There needs to be consequences for her and also for the FBI. FBI leadership has clearly got to be changed. And Jesse, I'm of the mind we need to end the FBI as we know it. It needs to be broken up. I mean, clearly it has become corrupt. The leadership is corrupt. No doubt there are some good agents in the field, he said, but it's the leadership that's become totally corrupt. This leadership has become totally, radically politicized, and we've got to change it. Now, as you might expect, folks, a lot of people are worried that the stupid party would go back to doing what it's always done, go along to get along, shut up, and just sell out. But just maybe Senator Hawley isn't going to settle for that. No, we've got to get justice here, and justice needs to be served. You can't interfere in a presidential election without consequences. At least you couldn't. You used to not be able to in America. And that's what happened here. That's what this report shows, that one political party, the Democrats, tried to use the FBI to rig a presidential election and just about got away with it. They succeeded in getting the FBI to intervene. They succeeded in getting the FBI to lie to a court to get wiretaps. They succeeded in getting a presidential campaign, Donald Trump's campaign, spied on. I mean, it's, it's amazing. If there's something like this in American history, I don't know what it is. And that's why I say there needs to be prosecutions. There needs to be accountability. And the FBI has got to be overhauled now, top to bottom. It, it's got to be completely reformed. It cannot go on like it is. Most Americans are by now certainly aware that this happened under Barack Hussein Obama's watch. Hitler was certainly supposed to win, and the weaponization of the intelligence agencies, including but not limited to the FBI and DOJ, was supposed to make sure that the duly elected president was going to have his hands full just staying in office and wouldn't have time to actually turn anything around. That turned out to be exactly what happened. Yeah, it just is one more example of the Democrats and, frankly, the political class in Washington saying anything they want, telling any lie they want to try to maintain their power. He knew... He knew, Obama knew, that Hillary was trying to frame Trump, essentially. He knew that they were cooking this up and trying to weaponize the FBI, and he knew it was succeeding, and he went out and he lied about it. Yeah, basically every single person involved on the inside in this disgusting, treasonous fiasco knew blankety-blank and well that they were lying about it. And guess what, folks? It looks like, even though the truth has finally come out, they're still getting away with it. Until you see a reversal of the coup and prosecutions, and yes, if we actually had a law that prohibited treason, you should know where that would end up. We do not have a rule of law or even a country, but at least now, more and more Americans are figuring it out.
What I'm going to do next for as much time as we still have available is take a look back at a report that came via the Gateway Pundit from mostly Jerome Corsi dated January of this year. And it's entitled, How the CIA Engineered the Russia, Russia, Russia Collusion Coup d'etat to Remove Donald Trump from the Presidency. An office that, of course, he wasn't supposed to win anyway. But way back then, they were obviously reluctant to rig the election quite as blatantly as they've learned to do and berate people into silence when they do it since then. Writes Jerome Corsi, as the Federal Bureau of Instigation is now being forced to disclose additional documents on their crossfire hurricane counterintelligence investigation, sick, the Hitler-Clinton Russia, Russia, Russia collusion disinformation campaign is collapsing. All of it making clear that it was the CIA at the center of that intelligence agency coup d'etat aimed at removing Donald Trump from the presidency. Newly released FBI documents, he says, make clear and provides the links that the FBI had possession of but never actually examined two of Seth Rich's laptops. Now, this was before Hunter Biden, remember? Seth Rich was the DNC insider who mysteriously died and uh, never got to speak, whatever it was that might have been on his mind. And there's still an open question of whether or not he was the source for what came out from WikiLeaks. So instead of examining those laptops in an FBI lab, suspect, as that might already have been, the FBI instead turned them over to something called CrowdStrike. We'll come back to that. And the bogus Mueller prosecutors, sick, relied upon a three-page forensic report that CrowdStrike prepared for the FBI, arguing Seth Rich was not the source who leaked the DNC emails to Julian Assange and WikiLeaks just prior to the 2016 presidential election. Writes Corsi, the Mueller report blamed Guccifer 2.0, remember that name, for stealing the DNC emails, again, based on a report first disclosed by, what else, the WAPO on June 14, 2016. And that report asserted that Russia, Russia, Russian hackers had penetrated the DNC computer network, gaining access to the entire database of opposition research on GOP candidates. And continues Corsi in his 2022 book entitled Coup d'etat, Exposing Deep State Treason, he documented that Guccifer 2.0 hacked not only the NGP van created by two Democrat computer experts, he names them Nathaniel G. Perlman and Mark Sullivan. But all Democrat Party candidates in 2016 used that same NGP van system to build their own voter and donor databases. And that year, the NGP system operated out of Washington, Swamp Central, and was used exclusively to manage donor contributions. The van system, though, its counterpart operated out of Somerville, Massachusetts, was used primarily to manage voter data, or maybe even former, future, unregistered, even dead voter data. Yeah, I know, folks, it's tough not to be skeptical, isn't it? The source for the Washington Post story on June 14th was Sean Henry, president of CrowdStrike, and former head of FBI's cyber division. How's that for keeping it all in the family? And CrowdStrike, again, was the cybersecurity firm the DNC hired to examine the hack of their own computers. In 2016, Gulag Capital, then called Capital G, the investment arm of Alphabet Inc., parent of Google, invested a hundred million bucks in the then startup company CrowdStrike. Just to fill in the gaps here, Corsi describes a number of players, like Eric Schmidt, chairman of Alphabet, well-known to be a strong supporter of Hitler et al., and a donor to the socialist left. In 2016, as chairman of Alphabet, Schmidt was also working inside Clinton's presidential campaign to organize its computer-driven get-out-the-vote, or uh, whatever it was, effort. DNC emails, though, were kept on a separate server at DNC headquarters in the swamp. There is no evidence Guccifer 2.0 had any access to the emails concerning DNC chair Debbie Wasserman Schultz that WikiLeaks began publishing in July. 
that famous Friday, July 22nd, or the John Podesta emails that they began publishing on October 7th of that same year, all of which were damaging enough in their own right. But it was Seth Rich, IT specialist working for the DNC at headquarters in Washington, who had access to the DNC server from which the WikiLeaks emails were stolen. Still, the Mueller report clearly claims that on page 4, Goosefer 2.0 was, quote, a fictitious online persona created by, what else, Russia, Russia, Russian military intelligence, a.k.a. the GRU. Nevertheless, says the author, Larry Johnson, a former CIA intelligence analyst, has recently demonstrated that an actual analysis of the metadata, uh uh-oh, and here you thought only Big Brother was allowed to do that with your data, but the metadata in Goose for 2.0's Internet post strongly suggests that, in fact, it wasn't a GRU operation, but guess what, folks, a creation of none other than the CIA itself. Johnson argues that the CIA placed that metadata in Goose for 2.0's post in order to try to establish a basis for CrowdStrike's ahem, bogus conclusion that they were, in fact, Russia, Russia, Russian intelligence agents who stole the DNC emails. And Johnson cites the analysis of an independent forensic computer investigator who uses the name the Forensicator and examined that metadata, finding that Goose for 2.0 published a file in September of 2016 which basically connects the dots to the NGP van server, not the DNC email server, and shows that the hack originated somewhere, not in Russia, but on the east coast of the United States. This one you may have heard a bit about. Basically, what it shows is the bandwidth here was way, way too fast for anything other than a direct connection. In other words, it couldn't have been done via a cable or satellite link. And even an author for the far left, The Nation, admitted on August 9th of 2017 that no Internet service provider that a hacker would have been able to use in mid-2016 was capable of shifting or downloading data at those speeds. So it had to be done directly, locally, with something like a thumb drive. You've seen it on spy movie shows, folks. The story goes on to note that in January 2016, John Brennan organized a secret task force called the Donald Trump Task Force in the CIA with the blessing of none other than DNI James Clapper on the premise that, no, it wasn't them, but it was Trump who was the spy, an asset of Putin running for president in the United States. The task force members included officials from the FBI and NSA, all of them hand-picked, with no posting of jobs where uh, non-biased people might have had a chance at the slot. And as a counterintelligence operation, says the author, Brennan's task force could recruit foreign intelligence agencies, including James Bond's famous MI6, as well as Italian and Australian intelligence agencies, to do their dirty work. The task force spent CIA money to fund overseas travel and pay cooperating assets to set up an entrapment scheme for Trump campaign officials, including, as you now know, Carter Page and George Papadopoulos. And it was out of this clandestine Donald Trump task force that the Department of Just Us officially commenced their Operation Crossfire Hurricane. At the end of July 2016, the FBI formally commenced Crossfire Hurricane as a counterintelligence operation, and under the DOJ, they were able to send FBI officials overseas on official FBI business to work hand-in-hand with their CIA, UK, Italian, and Australian intelligence, uh, think deep state overlords, who were recruited into the international Stop Trump movement. Too much at stake here, folks, when it comes to international communism to allow the uh, good guys to even think they might have the upper hand with something as trivial as an election. The Steele dossier, of course, was key to Brennan's decision to create that fusion cell tasked in mid-2016 to investigate Russia, 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 and their so-called interference in the presidential election. 
Originally, this secretive group reported only to the Capo de Tute traitors, Obama himself. That group, again, known informally as the Fusion Cell, produced a series of papers for the White Whorehouse on Russian interference in the U.S. 2016 presidential election. Agendas for the secret interagency task force meetings during the summer and fall prior to the election were sent in envelopes to FBI Director James Comey, we know that name, Attorney General Loretta Lynch Mob, and other high-ranking Obama regime insiders. But gradually, Brennan expanded the circle within the Obama regime to include none other than the guy selected to be the marionette-in-chief a few years down the road, VP Joe Biden. And the more we learn, folks, the more we recognize what treason looks like and how profitable it turns out to have been. Be not deceived. May Yahuwah bless you and yours. <laughs>